story one chapter nineteen of the dwarf's chamber and other stories by fergus hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story one chapter nineteen fairy music that same evening winyard undeterred by the memory of former refusals proposed to cecilia for the third time aware of his pertinacious disposition and having some inkling of his intention she had hitherto managed to evade an interview but now finding herself alone with him in the drawing-room after dinner she submitted to her fate yet had not edgar been blinded by self-conceit he might have guessed what would be the result of his ill-advised application cousin edgar said she after he had solemnly asked her to be his wife i am very sorry that you should still hope for the impossible twice i have refused you and i do so now for the third time but think of the advantages of our marrying urged edgar anxiously i will be lord lelanro within a measurable time and own this property so it is better for you to become my wife than to lose your home at the manor-house i would rather lose it than take you with it cousin retorted celia sharply i wish to marry no one at present least of all you but i love you celia i am sorry to hear it for once and for all i refuse to become your wife edgar tracing in this contemptuous refusal the influence of warwick lost his temper and made thoughtless remarks about celia and the secretary which roused her wrath you love that sneaking warwick celia he cried savagely and would be willing enough to marry him if he asked you but you shall not marry him i'll have him turned out of the house that will be your own fate if you speak like this said celia rising to her feet with a glowing cheek mr warwick is my very good friend nothing more if he is poor and unknown he is at least a gentleman which i regret to say you are not and without further speech she turned her back on the discomfited lover and walked towards the door enraged at her scorn edgar sped one last venomed shaft you are going to meet the fellow now i believe yes i am replied celia with supreme disdain mr warwick is at present in the company of madame tot and i am going to see them both if you choose you can employ your time in telling my grandfather her cousin could find nothing to reply to this last remark and so permitted her to leave the room without further speech left to himself he raged impotently at the thought that he could do no harm to this interloper and at length losing all sense of wisdom in his hatred he went in search of lelanro in order to insist upon the instant dismissal of the presumptuous secretary his interference benefited in place of harming warwick and by the irony of fate edgar winyard who of all men would have declined the task was the means of restoring the man he hated to his rightful position in the world it was the night of the full moon and madame tot enamoured of her whimsical idea had summoned warwick to the elfin solemnities at the fairy ring this as has been stated previously was a circle of discoloured grass which to her distempered fancy was haunted by the peaceful neighbours whether she suffered from hallucination or whether she pretended to see her airy fancies embodied in actual forms it is impossible to say but she certainly described what was taking place to warwick with a vividness which almost enabled him to behold the fantasy with his own eyes 
on the plea that the little people did not like a mortal to espy on their solemnities she made warwick sit down on the bench encircling the elm-tree near the summer-house and hidden in the shade he looked out on the moonlit sward over which moved fantastically the tiny figure of madame tot as a compliment to the fairies she had assumed her favourite green colour and with a crown of roses and her ebony staff held wand fashion she looked like an actual inhabitant of elfland titania was not more graceful puck more impish or queen mab more airy than this odd little dwarf skipping about the lawn to the music of the violin do you not see the little people said she running into the shade yonder in the cold moonlight they whirl round and round in a ring with linked hands and flying hair the green urchin bonneted with a purple canterbury bell is oberon's lantern-bearer that pale fairy in filmy white is the queen of spring flowers as you can tell by her snowdrop crown and oh 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 piped madame tot clapping her hands just look at yonder red goblin with the grey beard and pointed cap my dear he is a gnome and digs gold in haunted caverns to weld into fairy rings ask him to bring me one said warwick marvelling at the descriptive power of the little woman which almost made him credit her fancies i spoke of it some time back replied madame tot in a matter-of-fact tone as though the procuring of fairy rings was quite an ordinary business he will bring you to-night a wedding-ring a wedding-ring madame tot yes my dear a ring of red gold to bind you hard and fast to a fair lady who is the lady asked warwick divining some purpose in these foolish speeches for answer madame tot whirled herself in a magical manner and while thus revolving shrilled out come together ne'er to part hand to hand and heart to heart you see man mountain she added dropping into prose i call and she comes never deny that i am a witch across the sward came celia looking pale and serious for the late interview with edgar had somewhat disturbed her equanimity the cunning dwarf had caught a glimpse of her emerging from the house and thus utilized the opportune arrival for the fulfilment of the prophecy with the moonlight glinting on her russet hair celia in her white robe looked like a visitant from another world and warwick could not remove his eyes from her passionless loveliness saluting her with an elfish scream madame tot danced up to her like a large doll i bid you welcome to the festival said she striving to reach celia's hand it is by special permission of the neighbours of peace that you are here to-night they will bestow on you a rare boon take your place my love and watch with due solemnity she conducted celia to the bench and intimated that she should sit beside warwick rather confused by the request celia obeyed in silence and was glad to think that the shadows hid the blesses she felt rising hotly to her cheeks the young man overcome with pleasure at her near neighbourhood did not venture a remark and so these two sane people waited the behests of the mad dwarf lady play cried madame tot raising her hand i dance with my shadow warwick swept the bow across the strings and a ripple of notes gushed forth with a gasp of pure pleasure the dwarf sprang from shadow to light and holding up her quaint green dress footed it as merrily as though she were sixteen instead of sixty 
she swayed and swung and whirled and bowed with waving hands and nimble feet till celia almost fancied she saw a tiny witch at some lilliputian walpurgis night with beck and bend she coquetted with her shadow kissed her tiny hands as it wavered on the sward fled from it pursued it and spun in circles after its retreating blackness the music rose and fell rippled through the still air and laughed and sang till one would have said the violin was as elvish a thing as madame tot herself suddenly she whirled towards the fairy ring and sank in a heap in its centre warwick hastily laid down his violin and rose as to help her but she angrily called to him to keep back you will break the spell she cried shrilly i now listen to the dwarfs who bring your marriage ring from the subterranean caves so speaking she laid her ear to the turf while warwick and celia in the deep shadow of the tree looked at one another bubbling with silent laughter the oddity of the whole situation appealed to the romantic side of their natures but knowing the irritable nature of madame tot they did not dare to show disrespect by giving vent to their secret feelings of amusement do you think she sees anything really asked celia in a low whisper she may have hallucinations replied warwick in the same tone and i think her imagination is vivid enough to conjure up all the elves of england poor little thing he sighed sympathetically it is a harmless pleasure in which she indulges you seem very fond of madame tot mr warwick she is a quaint lovable little creature he answered softly i will be sorry to leave her but you are not going said celia with dismay i must as soon as i learn the meaning of the riddle i go replied the young man firmly it is better for my peace of mind but 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 think how we how i shall miss you gasped celia imprudently whether it was the influence of the moonlight the music or the whole fantasy of the scene warwick did not know but almost without thinking he enclosed celia's hands in his warm clasp would you miss me miss lelanro uh, celia can you ask me that she replied reproachfully i would miss you more than any one in the world but celia i am poor and unknown i-i-oh it is impossible i dare not then you do not love me i do love you fondly passionately but you-you-oh celia have mercy on my folly he slid off the bench to the ground and looked up to her with enamoured eyes she having passed the rubicon forgot that she was miss lelanro and he a servitor of her grandfather she forgot social laws social barriers and only feeling in her own heart that she loved him above all men bent down and kissed him softly on the forehead do you mean it he asked hardly able to believe that his goddess had stooped from her sphere do you wish me to kiss you again to prove that i do she replied smiling through the gloom i do mean it i love you and i i he rose to his feet unable to articulate another word and clasped her in his arms in the warm gloom heart beating on heart lips laid to lips they forgot the barrier of caste and prejudice it fell they came together and knew that they loved they adored each other youth and beauty and passion proved too strong for social laws 
rash foolish as it was the knowledge had come to them in its full strength they loved an elvish titter made them spring apart and they looked down to see madame tot close beside them but no frown was on her face and instead of appearing to be angry she expressed her pleasure loudly things have turned out well she said smiling you will marry one another and become lord and lady of lelanro manor uh, how can that be asked warwick in surprise the riddle no interruption frowned madame tot holding out her hand here is the fairy ring which the gnomes have brought for your wedding place it on celia's finger and then i read your riddle the ring she proffered wherever it came from was certainly tangible enough and warwick hardly knowing what he was about slipped it on the slim finger held out by celia she was smiling and seemed to understand her great-aunt better than did warwick who was too bewildered to speak that fairy circle binds you together for ever and ever said the dwarf solemnly our solemnities are at an end and i return to the actual world in the study of dr price my brother awaits you so lead your bride thither algernon lelanro what name did you say cried warwick hardly crediting his ears and looking from the dwarf to celia you are algernon lelanro said the latter smiling and i am your cousin celia foolish boy i knew it well else i never would have listened to your wooing End of chapter nineteen